Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. When Carol Offen's son needed a kidney, she didn't hesitate to offer her own, but she still had a lot of questions. In the United States, nearly 100,000 people are waiting for a kidney transplant. Patients can wait for years, five, six, seven, and every day, 12 people die of kidney disease. That's why living kidney donations are becoming more popular. We're joined by Carol Offen. She's co-author of the book, The Insider's Guide to Living Kidney Donation, and Dr. Nancy Asher, an organ transplant expert at UCSF and past president of the Transplantation Society, who is also a kidney donor. And we want to hear from you. Have you or a family member received a kidney donation? Are you waiting for a donation or have you donated a kidney or another organ? Give us a call now at 1-866-733-6786. That's 1-866-733-6786. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum or email your questions to forum at KQED. Org. Carol, I want to hear how you how your journey into this world began. Talk about, I think, what was a surprising turn in your life uh, when your son unfortunately got sick. Well, it was actually very gradual, uh, and it was slow, and then everything changed almost overnight. Um, he was diagnosed with kidney disease when he was in college. He had no risk factors. He was a healthy, young, thin kid. And uh, he had a uh, strep infection and a lingering strep infection. When they did some lab work, they discovered that he had kidney disease caused by the strep. And uh, uh, excuse me, go ahead. And and as things got worse, when, how long did it take before you found out that he, he would need a transplant? It was actually um, two, three years later because um, they said, well, he's young and healthy. Uh, Let's just monitor it. But it could take 20 years before it ever got to the point of uh, kidney failure. Uh, But that's not what happened. A couple of months after he graduated from college and he went for his routine lab work and the doctor was stunned to see uh, what his numbers were and thought it was a fluke and said, let's retest in a couple of days. And I went to the appointment with him when we went back and no, it wasn't a fluke. And uh, his kidneys were precipitously failing. Um, He would need dialysis within a matter of months. Um, He would need uh, surgery as soon as possible to put in an access point for the dialysis, but ultimately he'd need a transplant. So in the space of the hour, we were there you know, our, our world turned upside down, and we were pretty blindsided. 
And did you jump to the front of the line? Were you like, okay, I'll do it? Or, you know, what was your, what was your gut reaction? Well, when, when we were at the doctor's office, I was too numb to, (laughs) we didn't even ask questions. We were just reeling. Um, And I went home and, and told my husband and, and our daughter who was then about 15. And um, we sat there and um, one by one, we all said, I want to be tested. And it just came out of me. And it was like, did I really say that? Because that's, that's not me. I'm not, I'm, I'm not remotely um, uh, adventurous or brave or anything. In, um, in fact, I think in the book, you describe yourself as a, as, as a wimp. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I mean, when it comes to anything physical or medical, um, uh, I mean, I've not just fainted at shots, flu shots, but I, I once passed out thinking that there was going to be a, a blood draw for a college physical. So, yeah. Um, so my instinct was, well, of course, I've got to do this. Um, and um, turned out that my, well, my daughter was too young, definitely. And uh, my husband had, a, had had a kidney stone. So they ruled him out immediately. Um, so it was me. And um, it was, it's, it's, it's hard to describe. I kind of went through lots of different reactions. Um, you know, oh, of course I'm going to do this. Do I really want to do this? You know, can I do this? Um, oh, sure I can. Over the course of not just months, but it's actually um, because of insurance reasons, this went on over close to two years, the ups and downs. And did, as you went through that process, did you ever hope, I know there's a lot of testing and things that go on, did you ever question and kind of hope that the tests might not make you eligible? You know, I still don't know how I felt. I mean, all I know is, is um, I went through all the testing and each time I found out I was healthier than I thought. And um, the transplant team was just super they were um so so supportive and they didn't make me feel foolish and and or embarrassed which i was at first about you know betraying this queasiness and and you know fear um they they basically got me through it and um so each time i'd call to find out if the if i'd passed the test you know, okay, hold my breath. Did I pass the test? And at some point, and I don't know when, I said to myself, hey, would I, would I secretly be relieved if I didn't pass? And? And and to my shock, (laughs) no, I wanted to do this. Mm -hmm. I wanted it to be me. Um, And Anybody who knows me knows that that was 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 just really a, a big shock to me. Uh, I mean, I think in the beginning, um, I definitely, if someone had come forward, um, I think I would have been happy to go for it. You know, this is great. But over this time, I mainly I watched our son on dialysis, and it was it was a living torture for him. And so let's talk a little bit about the, the surgery it's, itself. 
Was it a simple surgery? It sounds like it was actually surprisingly more simple than than you thought. Yeah, it was definitely easier than I thought. Um, I mean, I was I was fearing the worst, obviously, but um, usually, you know, usually things turn out to be worse than you expected because they forgot to tell you this or that. Um, and it was it was easier than I expected, um, and it. Um, I can't tell you if it's simple or, or complicated, you know, medically, but I can tell you that it's laparoscopic, so it's minimally invasive. And I knew it would be, but it's it's pretty remarkable. They literally take do a two. I I had two tiny little slits, like one on my side and one by my navel, and then like a two and a half inch slit, kind of bikini um, scar. A bikini incision and so they used the tiny slits to put in tiny tiny mm-hmm. instruments and um to pull the kidney out wow wow so so amazing i'm curious i want to bring dr asher into the conversation here how dangerous or how complicated is the surgery that carol underwent um carol's surgery generally is very very safe uh there have been a few reports of problems with donors, including donor deaths, uh, but they're very rare. And of course, anybody who's considering being a donor needs to know what the statistics are at the specific institution where they have their operation. They also need to know specifically what risks they might have because of their own uh, health or their own health problems so that they are fully informed. You donated a kidney, Dr. Asher, to your sister. How did you weigh the risks and what was it like to be under someone else's knife, shall we say? <laughs> well, uh, first of all, I didn't really think about the risks um, because I think the decision, and Carol articulated it well, the decision is almost an emotional decision rather than an intellectual decision because we are so interested in helping somebody else. And I agree with Carol, it's scary. And uh, I admit I had my own moment of fear, but the truth is that... Uh, it's important to step back and think about risk, but um, you know we wouldn't be anywhere in transplant if we didn't have the wonderful feelings and the kindness and the altruism of donors who are willing to put themselves at some small risk to help another human. And is a living donor better than a deceased donor, like an organ from someone who's alive rather than someone who has passed? It is better for a number of reasons. First of all, we can plan when the surgery is. Uh, And we could even do it before someone needs to go on dialysis. Uh, uh, Carol talked about the fact that her son, she watched her son suffer on dialysis. We can actually do preemptive transplants when we know someone is nearing the time of dialysis. Second, the results are better with better graft survival and better patient survival when you use a live donor. And it generally requires less immunosuppression. So that's good too. So those are three really important reasons. We're talking about living kidney donation with Carol Often. She's the co-author of the Insider's Guide to Living Kidney Donation and Dr. Nancy Asher. She's a transplant surgeon at UCSF and professor and a past president of the Transplantation Society. She's also the first woman to perform a liver transplant. And after this break, we'll talk to Carol about what it was like and how rewarding it was to donate her kidney to her son. Stay with us.
Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We're talking about living kidney donation with Carol Offen. She's co-author of The Insider's Guide to Living Kidney Donation and Dr. Nancy Asher. She's a transplant surgeon at UCSF. She's also the first woman to perform a liver transplant. We want to hear from you. Have you or a family member received an organ donation? Have you donated an organ and how did that experience change your life? Or are you waiting for an organ transplant? Give us a call now at 1-866-733-6786. That's 1-866-733-6786. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum. Or you can email your questions to forum at kqed.org. Carol, what was so inspiring to me about your story is what it felt like afterwards. So tell us, after the surgery was completed, your son now has a kidney. What did that feel like? Indescribable. Uh, it's. I knew I'd be relieved, certainly, and I knew I'd be elated that he we'd finally done it and he, uh, he had a, a healthy kidney. What I didn't expect was what an incredible high it was going to be for me that it was... Um, it's just an extraordinary feeling to know that you've done something that makes such a difference in someone's life. It's, it's obviously all the more powerful that it's, it's, it's a loved one, but in anyone's life, in any human being's life. And uh, it, I was just blown away. I was, I was just in a great mood. Um, and I slept better that night in spite of, in spite of being sore and, 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 and certainly some pain, but the feeling was extraordinary. And Dr. Asher, how hard, how rare is it? Um, you know, give us a sense of how short on transplant or how short we are on kidney organs. Um, so there's a hundred, as you said, there's a hundred thousand people who are waiting for organs. And this is not just kidney, all types of solid organs in the United States every year. And uh, there are about uh, 15,000 donors, uh, 15,000 transplants. So you can see the disparity between the number of people waiting and the number of uh, uh, organ donors. So we have to make up that difference. Theoretically, we use deceased donors mainly, but we have to make up that difference with live donors. Obviously, we can't use live donors for um, heart transplant. Uh, we can use live donors for kidney transplant. We can use live donors for liver transplant. So that's really, really, really important. Uh, if you look at the world, there's about 10 million people who could benefit from transplants. And there are 130, 150,000 uh, total transplants done in the world every year. So the need far, far, far exceeds the supply. Well, Kathleen writes, I'm 69 years old. I'm in excellent health. Could I be a kidney donor? Dr. Asher? Yes, uh, assuming that you are in excellent health, uh, and that requires a very extensive evaluation. And what is the recovery like? So if Kathleen decides to do this, what does her life, how does her life change? 
uh, well, she has to continue to take care of her health. Uh, we certainly don't want her to gain a lot of weight. We also uh, don't want her to develop high blood pressure. So she has to really be careful and make sure that doesn't happen. She would have to be treated. Uh, but her short-term recovery, uh, she's home in two or three days after uh, donation. Uh, she's back to her usual activity within a month or so. Uh, and then, uh, but she continues to follow with the transplant team at a yearly basis to make sure she's healthy. Let's go to Jim in Oakland. Jim, go ahead. Hello, uh, Dr. Asher. I want to thank you for your liver transplant that you, living donor liver transplant uh, that you did for my wife, Janice Stone, back in May of 2001. Um, it gave her an additional 17 years of life. She uh-huh. got the daughter married and her first grandchild. Uh, I would love to be a donor for kidneys. Uh, I probably not, don't qualify for liver, but... Uh, um, I, I think it's a wonderful program, and I, I really appreciate yours and Dr. Roberts' efforts on this. Thank you, Thank yeah. you so much. You made my day. Let's go to Patricia in Portland, Oregon. Patricia, go ahead. Hi. Um, yeah, so uh, I donated my kidney to a coworker a little over four years ago. Um, I'm part of a group here uh, called WELD, uh, Women Encouraging Living Donation for Kidney and Liver. And um, I'm perfectly fine. I was 50 when I did it. Uh, I was out of the hospital in about two days. I walked two and a half miles three days afterwards. Wow. It really hasn't changed. Um, I drank a lot of water beforehand. They always want you to drink more water. Um, and I think the only thing is I will no longer be a bikini model, and um, I'm not going to be jumping out of airplanes and doing extreme sports. So. <laughs> well, Patricia, this morning I checked my license to make sure I was an organ donor because I was going to feel really guilty if I didn't pick, check that box. But your story has inspired me. Maybe, maybe I'll donate an organ. Uh, let's go to Susan in Syracuse, New York. Susan, go ahead. Uh, yes. Um, I gave a kidney about five years ago. I was 52. It was um, for a woman that I didn't know, and I uh, came through it very well, just like the last caller, and uh, I'm doing well now. I just drink a lot of water and make sure I don't eat too big of a chunk of protein at once. That's hard on the kidneys. I do wish that people had more education about their kidneys so that they could preserve their function longer, but um, I'm very – I advocate for – Uh, kidney donation, and I feel great. And um, that's it. Thank you so much. Well, Dr. Asher, how do you take care of your kidneys so you potentially to prevent kidney failure? What's the best way to take care of our bodies? So um, kidney failure is frequently associated with uh, diabetes or high blood pressure. So uh, if you particularly type 2 diabetes, but also type 1, so uh, you've really People who have those conditions, high high blood pressure or diabetes, really have to watch themselves and make sure that their diabetes is under control, that their weight is under control, and that their blood pressure is under control. This can be done with diet, exercise, and medication. Helena writes, with all of the advances in medical research, is there any news on new treatments for kidney failure? Dr. Asher? Um, There are some interesting uh, treatments that are going on in other countries where they are have limited resources 
And they have shown that patients who are vigilant about taking care of blood pressure and taking care of weight and uh, diabetes can put off the development of kidney failure. Um, uh, most of these diseases, though, are those processes that you're born with. So it's not a matter of um, just doing that, even if you uh, totally take care of your, of your blood sugar and your type 1 diabetic, you can still develop kidney disease, but you can put it off for a while. Uh, you can stay in a, a lower stage of renal insufficiency. Let's go to Rebecca in Vallejo. Rebecca, go ahead. Hi there. Thanks for taking the call. So I actually have two questions. My first question is my daughter is, on, is it has to do with a liver transplant. And so I'm 61. Um, you know, how viable, you know, is it for me to be, uh, you know, a donor for her? I didn't even didn't even occur to me that I could do that. And then uh, and what questions do, you know, do we need to discuss with the medical staff in order to figure that out? And then the other question, this is about insurance. Does insurance cover transplants from both perspectives? If not, what changes need to be made in order for that to happen? Dr. Asha, can you take those two questions? Sure. So um, I'm glad you're thinking about donating. Uh, the upper limit for, that we use at our institution is 65. So your age is not a contraindication. Uh, there are a set of prescribed tests that you need to undergo to make sure that you're healthy enough to do it. It's possible that a friend of your, I thought you said daughter, could be uh, her donor. Um, it doesn't have to be a relative. It can be a friend. It can be an altruistic individual like we heard earlier. Um, insur her insurance uh, pays for your workup and your surgery. So that's fantastic, both with, uh, and the insurance pays for both deceased as well as uh, live uh, transplantation. We have Tamiz. Oh, wow. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> good. That's good news, it sounds like, Rebecca. Yeah, all right. Thank you so much. Thank you. We have Tamiz Sunderji. He's joining us. He's a recipient of a kidney transplant from his sister. Tamiz, uh, give us a, a brief synopsis of your story of receiving that kidney. Yeah, so it's uh, almost eight years ago today uh, that I had my transplant from my sister. Uh, it was a bit of a shock to us when I realized I needed a new kidney. It was, uh, I was asymptomatic. I uh, it was basically discovered during a routine workup where my um, blood test showed very abnormal creatinine, uh, which is the indicator for kidney function. And uh, after sort of a, a long process, uh, once we'd learned the news, basically my sister um, said she would donate her kidney immediately uh, to Dr. Asher's earlier point. It was a very much an emotional versus a rational decision. Um, but fortunately, I was in a position where I didn't need to go on dialysis immediately and my uh, care team at UCSF uh, was really trying to manage uh, my kidney function such that I could receive transplantation before I went on to dialysis. And, and I was fortunate enough that we were able to pull that off. Um, and now you've got three kidneys, only, only one of which works. Have you noticed anything different now that you have someone else's organ inside your body? Any, anything? I mean, obviously your body's working better, but any sort of unusual things, sci-fi kind of personality changes, anything like that? <laughs> no, no sci-fi changes, but I did notice after my transplantation, as I was recovering, I did develop a 
strong sweet tooth and had lots of chocolate cravings. So I'm not sure if I can attribute that to my sister or the medications or just something else entirely, maybe just a lust for life. Uh, Dr. Ash would probably be disappointed to learn that that's not a very diabetic friendly uh, habit to develop, but <laughs> And how is your health today? How are you doing? It's great. Uh, yeah, I think uh, it's pretty miraculous what a transplant can do for an individual. Uh, I can't even imagine what my life would be like had I had to go into dialysis. It's clearly a much poorer quality of life. So my life right now, you know, I get to lead a normal life. I get to, you know, I started a family shortly after my transplant. I have a seven-year-old daughter now. Uh, my sister who donated her kidney uh, is a physician as well. And she's got two beautiful little boys now. And so we've been able to, you know, flourish and, and lead a normal life. And it's, it's pretty miraculous what this is able to do for somebody. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you so much, Timis, for, for sharing your story. Uh, Dr. Asher, I'm curious, why don't you take out some of the other kidneys and, and you just cut them off? What do they do in there? So he's got three now, one of which is working, I'm assuming. Do the other two just kind of hang out? What's going on? So in the old days, we used to take out the kidneys before doing the transplant. Um, uh, it turns out that that's not necessary, except in specific, in, there are specific indications for taking out the kidneys. For example, polycystic kidney disease or patients who have really, really, really severe high blood pressure that can be attributed to their own kidneys. What happens when we do a transplant and we leave the kidneys in place, which is the standard uh, procedure that we do, is that the native kidneys, your own kidneys that you were born with, shrink up until they're about you know, one or two inches in size. So they don't bother people in the long run. So yes, Tamiz has three kidneys, but he's got one big, nice kidney and two little teeny kidneys likely in there. And you only need one kidney. That's correct. Fascinating. We're talking about living kidney donation with Carol Offen, co-author of the Insider's Guide to Living Kidney Donation, and Dr. Nancy Asher, UCSF transplant surgeon and the first woman to perform a liver transplant. Have you or a family member received an organ donation? Have you donated an organ and how did that experience change your life? Or are you waiting on that long waiting list for an organ transplant? Give us a call now at 1-866-733-6786. That's 1-866-733-6786. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum, or you can email your questions to forum at kqed.org. Carol, I want to hear a little bit about your co-author, Betsy Cray. Unfortunately, kidneys do wear out. They have, you have to get another one, and I believe she she just recently received another one. Is that true? And, and how is she doing? Uh, yes, she received both a kidney and a liver. And um, she has um, polycystic kidney disease, but she also has polycystic liver disease. And uh, she's, she's doing well. She's, she says she's re- coming along slowly but surely. The, as of yesterday, the kidney had not kicked in yet, unfortunately. Which is which can happen much more. I'm sure Dr. Asher can can attest, but it, it's more common in a deceased donor kidney than in a live kidney. That's one of the advantage other advantages of a live kidney. Her liver, though, is doing great. Um, so she's she's in a regular room now and um, getting a little stronger every day. And um, looking forward to leaving dialysis behind, but she still is having dialysis in the hospital until the, the kidney uh, starts working on its own. Well, please give her, give her our best. Let's go to Debbie in Sonoma. Debbie, go ahead. Hello. 
Hi. I just wanted to comment upon, um, I am a recipient over 20 years and uh, from a, uh, a non-living donor, um, although it was, she was alive when it happened. <laughs> um, I wanted to say that I did acquire a strange sort of uh, body function that she had experienced in, uh, before she died, and that was fibromyalgia. And I had no experience with anything like that. Um, didn't have the body stuff going on until after tra- about eight months after transplant. Um, I acquired that <laughs> from her. Wow. And also, I wanted to say that it's there's also a spiritual journey in all this that was reflect, reflected by um, her mother. Um, she was a um, anyway. I met them within a few years after the transplant, um, and she said that she saw her daughter in my eyes, which was a quite a journey for me. Wow. <laughs> it was a release wow. of knowing that as I was walking into the hospital, she, her parents were walking out with the pain of the loss of their daughter. And that the thought of somebody dying so that I could continue to live a normal life um, was ultimately so powerful. So forever grateful. So thank you. Wow. Thank you so much, Debbie, for sharing your story. Let's go to Marcella in Santa Rosa. Marcella, go ahead. Yes, um, I have a question. My good friend is in need of a kidney, and I'm adopted with no medical history. I'd love to donate my kidney, but I don't know what the circumstances are. Dr. Asher? So um, live donors can be relatives, or they can be friends or acquaintances, or they can be people who just want to do this uh, and are altruistic and want to help a stranger. So you need to be evaluated. Uh, Many transplant programs have uh, evaluation online. So you can start your evaluation by just by uh, answering the questions online to determine whether um, you are a possible donor, then you'd need to be tested after that. And Carol, I assume people can find out more information in your upcoming book. Uh, Any little plug about your book in terms of where they should go immediately in your book to find out more information? Okay, well, uh, it's in production, as as you said. We're hoping it'll be out uh, by August. But if they uh, go to my website, kidneydonorhelp.com, there's information about the book and there will be information about uh, how to pre-order and we hope that people will be able to pre-order next month and they can get all their questions answered including i have many maybe i will jump across this kind of scary uh what what do i want to say maybe i'll do this i'm nervous well we've been talking about organ donation with transplant surgeon and professor dr nancy asher and ucsf she's from ucsf and author carol often she's a transplant recipient and transplant recipient excuse me tamiz sunderji thank you so much all of you for joining us uh stay tuned for the next hour of forum Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio and the Germanicos Foundation and the Generosity Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. 
Set ten years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.